Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Crawley. And yes, another day, another week, another article about how there is no housing bubble. This time over at Forbes magazine, Nick Sargent writing, or I should say answering the question that everyone has, or I guess I should say is answering the argument that many people are making, I guess, responding, there we go, responding to the argument that everyone's making that the housing bubble, here it is, it's upon us again, it's going to happen. And yeah, I mean, listen, the housing bubble 2008 was horrifying for so many people and rightfully so. And so I get it. I mean, there's like a, there's a legit PTSD, I think, for a lot of people on this issue, but it's leading them to this conclusion that, well, if it happened once, it's going to happen again. And I mean, there's a reason why we call them black swan events. I mean, does does that mean that we're never going to see a housing bubble again? No, but what's happening right now is nothing like what happened in the mid 2000s. And that's, like I said, what Nick Sargent is writing about over at Forbes yesterday. He points out that yes, lending standards, as we have talked about many a times here on this podcast, are as strong as they have been probably in decades. The standards are strong. And I can tell you as someone that works in the mortgage industry, there are not bad loans that are happening. And this price spike that we are seeing is being caused by one, lack of inventory. Another issue that we talk about almost every podcast, there's no inventory out there. So the lack of inventory is spiking prices, but also low rates. So people can buy more house. They can put more, you know, they can put a bigger offer down because they can afford more money because the rates are lower. And so, yes, as more inventory hits the market and as prices, or I should say rates begin to rise, we are going to see a slowdown. And that's exactly what Sargent argues over at Forbes is that what's going to happen is we are going to see a slowing. Because, yeah, I mean, you can't, have that type of price appreciation for too long before you really have some problems with the economy. So like I said, another week, another day, another article about no, there is no housing bubble. And if you remember, one of the big arguments that was made really kind of when the pandemic, I should say the end of last year and the beginning of this year, the argument that we heard from the crash bros, though the, this is this is what's going to prove that there was, in fact, a housing bubble was the loans and forbearance. Look how many loans are in forbearance. The government's protecting these people. Those homes, when they come out of it, they're all going to go into foreclosure and we're going to have 2008 all over again. And what's happened? Well, as the economy's recovered, as people's time in forbearance had reached its close, they all got back out and started making their payments again. I mean, remember, there was no penalty for a lot of people to go into these forbearance programs. And so a lot of people said, well, the economic situation's not so great. Why not take advantage of it? But once the program came to an end or their, their time came to an end, they jumped out of it and started making their payments again. And this has been happening week over week over week. In fact, Total loans and forbearance fell for the 18th straight week, according to the NBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey. That means they fell 11 basis points to 3.76% as of July 4th, 2021. And we've talked about this before. I think this happened two weeks ago. The uh, amount of homeowners in forbearance fell below 2 million. It stays below 2 million at an estimate of about 1.9 million homeowners. Now, that being said, 
a lot of the people that are still in forbearance, yeah, they may end up having to get out of the home that they're currently in. Doesn't mean they're going to go to foreclosure. I want to make that very clear. I mean, one of the real benefits of these just crazy last few months with regards to home price appreciation is that these people have equity in their homes. And so they can sell the house, which the market will gladly take and leave with some money in their pocket. I mean, a very, very different situation than what we saw in 2008 when people were being forced out of their homes, having to go into foreclosure and having to walk away from the property because they had negative equity. Now we're talking about people that have equity in the property and will be able to take advantage of that. And some may be able to refinance because of what's happened with uh, home prices. And so there, there is that possibility. And then some may go into foreclosure. But I mean, let's face it, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, let's say one and a half million, the home market would love to absorb those loans. I mean, there's realtors that would be jumping to take advantage of getting those homes on the market for buyers who want a home and can't find one. So, I mean, even the worst case scenario, it's just, it's not going to happen. This was the argument being made by all the crash bros. This was it. This was proof that the entire economy, the housing market was going to collapse. And here's 2008 all over again. And if you've noticed, they've stopped making those arguments. Hmm, just they've moved on. They've moved on to an entirely, entirely different. Now it's the prices are too high. And now we're going to see a collapse. And uh, you got to they got heart. You got to give it to them. They got heart. They, they, they love the idea that the economy is going to collapse and they're going to find a reason that it makes sense. Uh, now, I do want to talk about mortgage locks. We got our monthly data from Black Knight's origination market, uh, market monitor report. There we go. Uh, and mortgage locks actually increased in June. And I like mortgage locks with regards to looking at their data. I think they're you know, I think they're the strongest indicator versus, say, the weekly data that we get from the Mortgage Bankers Association, which is people looking uh, to get a mortgage. So they just start the beginning application. But when someone's locking a loan, they are much further in the process. And this gives a better indication of what is happening with the mortgage market. So locks were up 6% for purchases and cash out refis saw a jump of 10%, probably wanting to tap all that equity they have in their homes now. But not everything was up. Uh, Rate slash term refinances saw a drop of 4% and in fact are down significantly just from January. It's down 60%, which makes sense. We did see rates jump up as the year began. Of course, they're back down to, I think, March levels. Um, But a lot of people who could have refied already did. And so, yeah, I mean, rate refis just aren't going to last forever. I mean, at some point, I mean, there's still a lot of people out there who could benefit from a refi, but there is going to be a slowdown. There's no doubt about that. Now, Scott Hat, Black Knight Secondary Marketing Technologies president mentioned that rising home prices are pushing more loans into jumbo, jumbo territory, saying in a statement, quote, this tracks with the continued growing jumbo share of lending in the market and the decline in the conforming share as a result. Indeed, the conforming share of lending is down nearly 750 basis points from last year with rates holding steady and purchase lending strong. Additional growth in home prices may extend this trend further. As I mentioned, refis, of course, are down. They fell 40. They fell to 43 percent of this month, which is down just one percent from the prior month, but is well off the high of 70 percent that we saw in June of 2020. So. Refi is still a part of the game, no doubt about that. 
But yeah, I mean, down significantly <laughs> from that peak that we saw in the refi boom in June of 2020. Now, one thing I did want to hit on before we wrap things up, a lot of times we'll talk about trade and kind of what's happening with the overall economy, which you know some people may enjoy or may not enjoy, but wonder why I'm talking about it on the Markets and Mortgages podcast. And a lot of it is because everything's connected with the economy. We talked about how housing could impact overall inflation, but it's also interesting how global trade can impact what is happening here in the United States with, re- with regards to prices. Like I said, everything is connected now more so than any time in history. I mean, with regards to the rise of globalization. And so now every decision that's made, even happening in other countries, impacts us here in the United States. And there's an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday morning that was looking at this push that we've seen where people don't like globalization. And they don't like the fact um, that we're trading with all these other countries and we run a trade deficit. And you're seeing this in both parties, both the Democrats and the Republicans. This is a very popular opinion right now. But one of the factors that I wonder if anyone's really taking into account, and that's what this piece kind of dives into, is the impact that reducing globalization would have on inflation. And the reality is, is that it would cause a jump in inflation. I mean, one of one of the benefits, and that's the argument in this journal piece, they say, quote, consumers in wealthy nations have benefited U.S. core good prices, which strip out volatile energy and food prices. It rose just 19, excuse me, 18 percent between 1990 and 2019. Prices for core services, most of which are produced domestically, surged 147 percent. And so what we've seen is that inflation has remained pretty much muted for decades because of globalization and we find places to make things cheaper. And then when prices rise there, we go somewhere else and then they make them for cheaper. And so inflation has remained somewhat low. But if we start bringing a lot of the manufacturing back, costs are gonna go up and prices are gonna go up. And good or a bad thing, that's a debate for another time. But the reality of the situation is, is that that could increase inflation. Increasing inflation would cause what? The Fed would have to raise rates. Raising rates means it's now more expensive to go buy a home. And so it would have an impact on the housing market. See, I told you I can make it make sense <laughs> for why we talk about that. But it was a pretty interesting piece. And of course, you can read this and everything else that we have talked about in the companion newsletter, the Markets and Mortgages morning newsletter, which you can find at marketsandmortgages.com. But we're officially out of time. We got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. We'll see you back here Wednesday morning. And remember, don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.